Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, Saskatchewan will be increasing its canola crush capacity within the next three years by as much as 60%. We'll hear from Chuck Penner with Left Field Commodity Research on what that means for farmers in this part of the province as well as in Manitoba's parkland. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were higher last week. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats will join us on that. As crop plans are mapped out for the 2023 growing season, there's a new resource for farmers and agronomists to build a more complete picture of the nutrient requirements of key crops grown across western Canada. A couple of University of Saskatchewan soil scientists have just put the finishing touches on a new prairie nutrient removal calculator and we will have an interview with them coming up on today's program and of course don't forget we will have our week two announcement of our winner for gx94's supper in the field so all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of gx and agriculture welcome back to gx and agriculture Saskatchewan will be increasing its canola crush capacity within the next three years by as much as 60%. This will come through a combination of existing plant expansions and the construction of new facilities. Nearly all of the additional canola oil will be directed toward the renewable diesel market as both Canada and the United States look to lower carbon emissions. Chuck Penner is with Left Field Commodity Research. He says right now the total domestic canola crush is about 10 to 11 million metric tons. When all the construction and expansion is complete, more Canadian canola will stay home for processing and less will be exported as seed. Will more of the area of land growing canola grow or will improved yields provide the much needed boost for future production? Penner says even more canola will likely be grown in eastern Saskatchewan and western Manitoba, which are in closer proximity to a good percentage of the additional crush capacity. Regions 3, 4, 5, that's kind of the west side, the Swan River down to Dauphin and that whole part of the world. Canola occupies over half of the acreage. So, you know, the joke about, you know, the rotation canola, snow canola, that's the case there. And they're right in the center of all of that crush demand. And then in Saskatchewan as well, too. A lot of areas, 14, 15, those are kind of that northern tier. But again, more toward the eastern side, toward where those crushers are. So you can see that the crushers, where you've had crush demand, has really pushed those rotations. And so the question is, can you push those even further? Or where does the increased acreage come from? I've been saying for years that we can't keep pushing canola acres and somehow we just keep doing it. 
but are we getting close to that point where it becomes harder and harder to do? Or you push it into the brown or the dark brown soil zones where your yields are not quite there either, right? They're not at the, at the levels that you see in the black soil zone. Um, you know, we did these production forecasts and there's big variation depending on the assumptions that you use. I think most of the increase is going to come from yields, not necessarily acres. I think that's probably where that'll happen. Penner anticipates canola will satisfy a significant portion of the demand for renewable diesel. Uh, the U.S. has the same kind of a, a deal going on there with soybeans, but that they actually favor canola use over soybean use. These companies get more RINs from using canola oil versus soybean oil. So it actually pushes a little more demand that way. So we may just be exporting canola oil down into the States or canola seed down into the States as well. So there's, it's not just a Canadian thing, it's a North American thing. And the exporters will get whatever's left. But at the same time, global production will be able to, to offset what's not available from Canada. So the demand will be driven by oil. So we're going to have closer links to the energy markets. So canola prices will likely be more closely linked to what goes on in crude oil and, and maybe diesel uh, futures. Maybe that'll become a hedge in the future. Only time will tell whether that'll work. The looming question is what will happen to the byproduct of canola oil? Penner says canola meal will be plentiful. Meal is going to be discounted badly, and not just in Canada, but in the States as well, too, because they're increasing their domestic crush of soybeans. They're wondering what they're going to do with all their soy meal. We're wondering what we'll do with three and a half, four million tons more canola meal. Right now, we're importing into Western Canada about five, six hundred thousand tons of soy meal. Even if we replaced all of that with canola meal, and that's not going to happen, but even if we did, we'd still have three million tons more canola meal that we have to do something with. Uh, and the U.S. market going to be up to its armpits in soy meal, and they're really not buying a whole lot, even over the last few years, that demand has kind of leveled off. So it's going to be going West Coast out to Southeast Asia, I would imagine, That's and it's going to be have, have to be heavily discounted. Penner made these comments earlier this year during a presentation at Crop Production Week in Saskatoon. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of co-op hail insurance. Beef and Forage Report. Multiple ag societies and fairgrounds across Alberta are accepting farmers and livestock displaced by the ongoing wildfires. At the Boyle Ag Grounds, for example, the pens at the Boyle Ag Grounds are available for anyone needing to evacuate their livestock due to the fire by Jackfish Lake or the Wetaskiwin Agricultural Society is letting people know its grounds are open to anyone needing a safe place to evacuate to, and that it has pens and stalling available. Industry groups are also trying to keep livestock producers informed about the ongoing wildfire situation. On Sunday, Alberta declared a state of emergency. This declaration helps provincial resources be directed towards helping livestock there were 101 active wildfires in Alberta as of Monday. About 28 of them are classified as out of control. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. EX94 Ag Review. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Canada will not be intimidated by China 
following tit-for-tat diplomatic expulsions by Ottawa and Beijing. Ottawa expelled Chinese diplomat Zhao Wei on Monday over allegations related to foreign interference. And hours later, China asked a Canadian diplomat in Shanghai to leave by Saturday in response to what it called Ottawa's unreasonable actions. Some fear the latest flare-up could have economic repercussions for Canada. Chinese imports of Canadian goods rose 16% last year to a record of $100 billion, and China is Canada's second biggest trading partner after the U.S. Last year, Beijing lifted a three-year ban on imports of canola, Canada's largest crop, from trading companies Richardson International and Viterra. China is also a major importer of Canadian potash and wheat. Statistics Canada has released its report on grain stocks at March 31st. However, Markets Farm Pro Analyst Mike Jubinville suggests there's not much to the report. He says it's one of those reports that people look at and move on. StatsCan's report pegged total farm and commercial stocks of chickpeas at 112,000 metric tons, down 58.5% from a year ago. Total March lentil stocks came in at 900,000 metric tons, which shrunk 13.6% from March 31st of last year. As for dry peas, their farm and commercial stocks tallied 1.471 million metric tons, up 22.4% from the previous March. Jubinville says the numbers for peas and lentils are very unlikely to have a notable impact on their respective prices. Indonesia has reported an outbreak of African swine fever on a farm near Singapore. The outbreak that killed 35,297 pigs in a herd of 285,034 on a farm located on Bulan Island was detected on April 1st and confirmed on April 28th. African swine fever is not dangerous to humans, but is fatal for pigs. It has plagued China for years, with an initial wave during 2018 and 2019, killing millions of pigs and leading to a dramatic decline in meat output that roiled global markets. China is facing a recent surge in infections this year. The source of the Indonesian outbreak is still unknown, but veterinary authorities say that humans, vehicles, feed, flies, and wild boar may have played an important role in the introduction of African swine fever on the farm. Indonesia is already up against another major livestock disease outbreak after foot and mouth disease turned up there in April of last year. Officials from several federal agencies are reassuring the public about Canada's animal biosecurity preparedness. Witnesses from the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and the Canada Border Services Agency spoke to MPs' concerns about livestock diseases at a committee meeting last week. Biosecurity preparedness has been a relevant issue recently, with rising concerns over African swine fever, foot-and-mouth disease, and highly pathogenic avian influenza, which saw 13 outbreaks in Quebec alone in April and killed over 50 million farm birds in the U.S. in 2022. Dr. Mary Jane Ireland, Executive Director of the CFIA's Animal Health Directorate, told the Common Standing Committee on Agriculture and Agri-Food that the agency has playbooks for every disease they are aware of 
and that hazard-specific plans are updated as diseases evolve around the world. Surrey, B.C.'s historic Cloverdale Agriplex is getting a major upgrade thanks to funding from the provincial government. A $1 million upgrade is being supplied through the Destination Development Fund, which will go toward making the site of the Cloverdale Rodeo more accessible and versatile. Construction at the venue, which hosts the second largest rodeo in Canada, is set to start this fall and is expected to be completed by the end of 2024. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. And that's today's Ag Review. It's time now to check in once again with Evan Montgomery. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's overcast and 13 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were higher last week. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats crunched the numbers for the week of May 1st through the 5th. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices reported by CanFact averaged higher again last week compared to the previous week. Feeder steers were from 361.90 per hundredweight for the 4 to 500 pound category to 250.50 per hundredweight for the 900 plus pound category. The largest gain was in the 4 to 500 pound steers, which were up an impressive 50.90 per hundredweight over the prior week, while the 8 to 900 pound steers was the only category down, an average of 397 per hundredweight from the prior week to average 297.70. And prices were up over the prior week for all Saskatchewan feeder heifer categories. Prices were from 327.75 per hundredweight for the 3 to 400 pound category to 247.13 for the 800 plus pound category. The largest price gains averaged 640 per hundredweight over the previous week for the 4 to 500 pound weight heifers. She outlines the factors behind the changes. Overall, 2023 domestic beef production is down, which is supporting cattle prices, but we're seeing limited marketings of feeder cattle also supporting the prices. Moving forward, we'll watch the moisture conditions as they'll be important on determining the feeder prices that we see ahead. Froats has the marketings for the week. So prices for market-ready cattle, Canfax reported Alberta-fed steers on May 5th to be at 230.73 per hundredweight, and this was up 589 per hundredweight compared to the last reported price on April 28th, which was 224.84. Alberta cow prices were up again compared to the last week. D2 cows increased on average 396 per hundredweight from the week prior to average 150.21 per hundredweight, and D3 cows were also up at about 3.54 on average to end the week at 130.14 per hundredweight. And as for market-ready cattle prices, Canfax reported 12,647 head of Saskatchewan feeder cattle sold over the week, and this is above the 9,105 that were marketed the previous week. Fonda Froats is the provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 163 even today. That's down 92. August live cattle closed at 161.17.
down 37. August feeder cattle closed at 225.15, down 97. September feeder cattle closed at 228.37, down 127. June lean hogs closed at 84.17, down 22. July lean hogs closed at 85.97, down 52. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will return in one minute's time. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. As crop plans are mapped out for the 2023 growing season, there's a new resource for farmers and agronomists to build a more complete picture of the nutrient requirements of key crops grown across western Canada. Two University of Saskatchewan soil scientists have just put the finishing touches on a new prairie nutrient removal calculator, an online tool that provides a critical piece of information to help make on-farm fertilizer decisions. It's not a new concept, but the calculator is fueled by new local data collected from commercial farms in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. Dr. Rich Farrell says they had a number of people working on it. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, and that was actually one of the cool things about this project was we had a lot of people contributing. So the idea was to take samples from commercial farms, so not small plot research sorts of things. This was from active farms across the prairies. And so we worked with uh, John Hurd uh, in Manitoba and with uh, Manitoba Agriculture and uh, Lyle Cowell with Nutrien, uh, who's an agronomist with uh, Nutrien. And they had people who went out and collected all the samples, sent them to the, and sent them to them. In addition, we had people who went out and collected samples and did it. So it was a small army of people who were out there collecting all of these samples. And it took place over a three-year period. Part of that was we had the drought in 2021, and so we limited the number of samples we did then just because of the drought. Dr. Fran Wally outlines the number of samples they had and the number of crops they represented. Well, it was over 2,200 samples, and it was initially we had uh, planned to collect 14 uh, crops, and but we kept receiving samples for faba bean, <laughs> so we ended up including faba bean in our nutrient calculator as well. So it was a lot of samples to be processing coming from, you know, right across the prairies. And we really wanted to make sure that we were representing, you know, Western Canada. She notes part of the study was conducted during the COVID-19 pandemic. You bet, first year of COVID. And that, uh, of course, added a, a lot of complications to it. Um, you know, the university was essentially shut down, so it was, um, uh, yeah, that first COVID year was... Um, it was tough to navigate, Yeah, true. But people, but it's surprisingly, we still, got we still got a lot of samples that year. People still went out and were willing to participate and willing to, to you know, make the effort to do this, despite the fact that everybody had different sort of restrictions on what they could, could and couldn't do. Dr. Wally believes the old nutrient calculator was used quite frequently by producers. I would say it's one of the most valuable pieces of paper that I've had on my office wall, and I think agronomists across Western Canada would agree. 
and it actually uh, was released in 2001, but it was based on um, an earlier version that had been produced in 1992. So my guess is that data actually came out of the 80s. And so, uh, of course, we've got different, um, you know, varieties, different genetics, different management practices, different cropping rotations. So it was absolutely time to uh, revise it. Dr. Farrell notes there's a lot more nutrients included in this latest calculator compared to the 2001 version. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the major macronutrients, so nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, and then we have the uh, micronutrients, boron, zinc, copper. Uh, copper. Dr. Wally says there was a noticeable difference between the two calculators depending on the type of crop tested. There, it was, I would say what we've done is um, revisions, not huge changes. But in, um, with phosphorus and potassium, we saw in a lot of instances um, uh, lowering of the numbers on a per bushel basis in terms of nutrient removal, which kind of implies that uh, crops might be, and the management systems might be a little bit more efficient than was predicted by those earlier numbers in terms of uh, nutrient use efficiency. So that's good news. Um, there were a couple that surprised us. The nutrient removal in terms of sulfur and canola was lower than we expected. And we're really cautious about that and we're advising uh, to be pretty conservative on that in particular uh, because of the importance of sulfur in canola production. So I would say we were um, revising, but not huge differences. Yeah, and, and with this, we, we were collecting this data to sort of revise the calculator. The next step really is to try and understand why things did what they do. So like the, for the sulfur, it, it could just be that the plants are more, are more effective and so they don't need as much, but we don't, you know, we have to look at that. That was outside the scope of this project. Dr. Wally says the calculator also looked at nutrient uptake. Yeah, so we did look at nutrient uptake, and that meant um, collecting vegetative samples, like biomass samples, at crop stages where we assume that the crop has taken up the maximum amount of the nutrient. And that was uh, sort of a Herculean task to uh, collect those crop samples from across Canada or uh, across Western Canada, rather. Um, and what we learned there is that they were there was a lot of variability associated with those values. So those numbers are, are in the final report. We haven't included them on the calculator because the calculator, the really, um, I guess, uh, critical number is understanding what is being removed in the seed when the seed is harvested rather than uptake. And the one point I'd like to make is this is just a tool for helping to uh, make um, fertilizer management decisions, but should absolutely be used uh, in, in um, uh, in conjunction with, uh, uh, you know, soil testing. 
And so these are estimates based on, um, you know, the survey data that we've collected. But we know from that survey data that there is a fair bit of variability in some of those numbers. Dr. Farrell explains where the calculator can be found. It's online. Um, there's a, the funding agencies will have links to it from the so like uh, you know Western Grains uh, Research Foundation, Sask Wheat, Sask Canola, Sask Flax. Uh, you know the uh, uh, the Prairie Oat Growers Association. They were all people who who put money uh, into this to help fund it. Alberta Wheat Commission. So they've all got links to it. And, you know, we're assuming that they will make those links available from their websites. And Dr. Wally has the details on that. Yeah, the, the uh, URL is prairie nutrient calculator, all one word, dot info, and that should bring you to the uh, calculator. She was also thankful for the support they've received. Yeah, we definitely like to thank the funding agencies and uh, uh, the support that we've received from them and all the, um, you know, the growers who uh, uh, made samples available for us That was and, and allowed us onto their um, fields to collect biomass samples. So it wasn't, it, the project wouldn't have been impossible without the help of all those people. And Dr. Wally says the support from farmers was exceptional. Uh, there was probably about 300 people that where we were visiting, probably less than 300, that we were on 300 different fields collecting biomass samples alone, and then all of the farmers who were contributing the seed samples. So a lot of people were involved. She says with those kinds of numbers, the accuracy of the calculator is pretty good. The more numbers we have, I think the, the more confident we are and I think it's important to recognize that there is that variability in the data, and that's part of the message, I think. Uh, and uh, it tells us that there isn't going to This is a test of the Alert Ready National Public Alerting System issued by the Manitoba Emergency Measures Organization. This is only a test. If this had been an actual emergency or threat, you would now hear instructions that would assist you to protect you and your family. This is only a test. No action is required. For more information about emergency alerts, please visit www.gov.mb.ca. And the two University of Saskatchewan researchers say the information that they've gathered is also very valuable to agronomists. Absolutely, absolutely. In in many ways, you know, in terms of uh, making decisions about managing fertilizer for the upcoming crop, but also understanding um, what's being removed and and maintaining you know fertility levels in the soil. And so I think there's lots of different applications uh, for, for using that information. Dr. Fran Wally and Dr. Rich Farrell are University of Saskatchewan soil scientists. They coordinated a three-year effort on a new prairie nutrient removal calculator. It can be found online at prairienutrientcalculator.info. Commodities Update.
Canola futures closed down across the board today. July canola closed at 734.70, down $3.40. November canola closed at 711.60, down $2.20. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 849 and a half, up one and three quarters of a cent. July Kansas City wheat closed at 855 and a quarter, down one cent. July Chicago wheat closed at 641 and a quarter, down two and a quarter cents. July corn closed at 594 per bushel, up nine and a quarter cents. July soybeans closed at 1404 per bushel, down 10 and a quarter cents. July oats closed at 337 and a half, up a quarter of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. We'll announce our Supper in the Field winner coming up next. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Needs. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's week two of the spring edition of GX94's Supper in the Field. We'll be bringing out supper for eight weeks in the spring and eight weeks in the fall. We had 320 entries yesterday, and I called our lucky winner this morning. Hello? Hello, is this Alf or Les? This is Alf. Oh, hey, Alf, it's Doug Falconer calling from GX94 Radio in Yorkton. How are you today? I'm good. Good. Hey, the reason I'm calling is we drew your name for supper in the field. Really? We did. Oh, that's awesome. That's so, awesome. Oh, so, <laughs> so it sounds like it's all right if we come out with supper tonight. Yeah, come for supper mm-hmm. tonight. That'd be great. Brothers Alf and Les Cleggett farm in the Balcaris district. Our sponsors for GX94 Supper in the Field are Milligan Bio, Farm Credit Canada, Gowan Canada, Sask Milk, Jump.ca, LDC, Smith Steel, Minute Muffler and Brake, Yorkton Auction Centre, Maple Agon Outdoor, The Chalet Restaurant, and Razor Cellar at the Yorkton Hotel. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with a 40% chance of spotty showers. Winds east-northeast at 10 to 20 and a high of 21 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds north-northeast at 10, a low of 7. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 23, an overnight low of 10. For Friday, partly sunny. Winds northeast at 10 to 20, a high of 22. For Saturday, mainly sunny, also a high of 22. And Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of 26. In the Paw, Swan River, Dauphin, and Brandon, it's 20 degrees. Show Lake Russell, 19. Roblin, 21. Regina and Winyard Wadena Kelvington are at 18, Saskatoon 19, Hudson Bay, Broadview Mooseman 20, 
Indian Head, 17. The Yorkton-Melville region has an overcast sky, a west wind at 35 gusting to 50 kilometers an hour. 73% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 13 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.